All right. All right, lots of good stuff happening. I want to give you a report about Valley Blessing yesterday. Uh, Mary sent me a text last night. She's just overflowing with gratitude for all of the North Gators that showed up and helped give out turkey baskets and Bibles and all of that. And I know many of you are watching now or will watch later, so I bless you. Thank you. She's so full of gratitude. Um, They actually gave away 1,237 dinners. That's crazy. They had 1,200 ready, and there were so many people came, they had to send out uh, for reinforcements of food. And that's just one place. That's at Wasilla Bible Church. I know uh, Barry's Church Real Life and, and uh, Church on the Rock and Palmer hosted, I think Wasilla maybe Church on the Rock hosted another location. So there are a lot of people getting blessed, and it's so good when the churches come together and partner together to, ble- uh, to bless our community. So thank you for that. Well, it's, it's Thanksgiving week, and uh, our plans were to have pie and praise tonight and not have this service, but everybody gathered together in our new building over there, and uh, that didn't happen. Big bummer. I was looking forward to that. Just last time we worshiped over there inside that new building, the presence of God was so, so strong. And I just want to give you an encouragement that the Lord is working and we're going to be able to move forward that building. And I'm hoping by late spring, early summer, we're able to actually meet there. Of course, we have to have some changes with this COVID thing going on a little bit as well. I just want to encourage you um, to daily enter his gates with thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving is the gateway or the pathway into his courts and his presence. And there's nothing you and I need more than the presence of the Lord. So staying in that place of giving thanks. And uh, I just really am blessed by this worship team. And we have two prayer warriors that showed up and uh, interceding for you all. Um, if you're online and you can just text, say, here I am. We do have a pastor online that if you have any questions. Um, I felt like during worship um, that the Lord was going to be bringing abundance in the realm of those people who have lack, especially in finances. I think the Lord is releasing a miracle. I believe he said, I'm releasing miracles. We had a single mom <clears throat> ask for prayer, I think it was two weeks ago. And, uh, and I prayed, and the next day, and I know others did too, And the next day she said, miraculously, she got a check in the mail that covered all of the things she needed with some left over. And uh, and so I just come in agreement with that over you. If you're in that place, I decree that over you. I want to also just, uh, again, a couple things that are on our, for next week. We have this block party. Valley Pastors Prayer Network has partnered with Stan Guthrie, who has a firework display that he shows every year. Um, around Thanksgiving, and the desire is to proclaim the good news of Jesus. He got saved um, in July 19, um, but he can't shoot fireworks in there in July because he can't see them. So he does it around Thanksgiving to tell God thank you, and he does a display of fireworks in Palmer where families can come and watch, usually in the library area. It's going to be again this year in the Palmer library area. So people come there, and they just celebrate uh, Stan's testimony and the fireworks. I, I've gone there, Brendan, I've gone there several years. It's amazing. And given the fact that we can't go indoors and do things right now, according to the governor's request, um, it's a great thing to take your kids to. Also, on FM radio, there is going to be um, a, 
a program, lots of stories of Jesus showing up. Two or three times the, the uh, gospel of Jesus can be pre- presented on FM. There are going to be prayer warriors that can interact with people on Facebook Live. Uh, Barry's Church is opening up that for that. And so um, I want to invite you to invite unbelievers because they can come see a great firework display, but they also can go to stores beforehand, and there's um, opportunities to engage in games with children in these stores, and then there's prizes going to be given away. And so we tune in on our cars on FM at 6 o'clock, and then at 719, and the Palmer Library is a huge firework display. So I encourage you uh, to do that with your families, and invite families that don't know Jesus, because the testimony of Jesus is going to be really strong. Also, just to remind you, thank you for being generous and bringing your tithes and offerings, and we have the text to give. Uh, we also have um, opportunities for you to engage with us through prayer. Like I said, there's a pastor online that if you have something you need to help with or engage with in some way, go ahead and just get involved there by uh, tagging in there. Get the, I have a picture of Dale and Joyce Burke, and uh, they have been appointed by the elders as coming on board as elders, and, uh, and you have an opportunity to speak into that. This is the last weekend or week to do that. Um, we're so excited to have them on board. Verdi and Kathy Bowen have been ser- serving that capacity for six years, and uh, they said, we just, we need a break. Um, they also do a lot of traveling, and so uh, we bless Verdi and Kathy. As they're still like engaged Northgate and love this family as part of who we are, but they're taking a, a break from being elders, even though I just want you to know that they still carry elders' grace. So if you need prayer, we keep them in our prayer circle as elders. So uh, make sure you bless Verdi and Kathy and thank them for serving. Okay. Did I get all that done? I think I did. Good. Okay. I just want to talk to you. Uh, from the Word of God and from what God is speaking to my heart and this crazy journey that we've been on in this season. And, uh, and li- this phrase keeps like hitting my heart. It's been hitting it for about three months, this phrase, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. And it's just something that's been stirring in my thinking. And, and then this week as I sat down and started praying about this service uh, and this word uh, to give you, the Lord said, by the way, that's not your word, that's my word. You know, sometimes we have this phrase going on in our minds, we have something happening and we think it's our thinking. And then all of a sudden, God says, no, 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 that didn't come from you. That came from me. This is important for you, Dennis, right now. You have to understand how to fight the good fight of faith in this season. Um, I want to speak over you real quick. The definition of faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Everybody say hope out there. We got a few people in here echoing it for me. Makes me excited, happy. And remember, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So it comes from the unseen realm. This hope is, is anchored in God and his resources. And remember the definition of hope biblically is a joyful anticipation that good is coming. Let's all say that together. A joyful anticipation that good is coming. And right now, I just like, I just 
speak, insert hope into your hearts. Because uh, hope is the soil that faith grows in. And faith has an expression. I want to talk about what faith looks like a little bit today and, uh, and what it means to fight the good fight of faith. I was at a basketball game yesterday, and uh, my son Zeke, Clay coaches it, his dad, and uh, we watched two games. Brenda watched three games. I got there after the first game. And it was a tournament, and it was the end of the season tournament to see who the champions were. And uh, Zeke and Clay's team won the championship. Come on, Zeke, if you're watching, way to go, buddy. Um, but there was a point yesterday, because Zeke has this fight thing inside of him. He's kind of he's aggressive in a good way most of the time. And uh, there was this particular guard that he, were, he and both of them were pretty feisty, going at it, chasing the ball, uh, guarding each other. Um, and there was one particular time when they were both chasing after the ball. And as Zeke went after the ball, he pushed the other guy with his hand. Tweet! Foul on Zeke. And, uh, and so um, at that moment, Kelly was sitting to our left, and she goes, Zeke, what are you doing? And so Zeke, in his fight, in his zeal, in his feistiness, broke the rules. And I think what I want to share with you is ways that we, there's two things that we happen to do. Sometimes because we're afraid of breaking the rules, we lose our zeal. We lose our fight. We lose our feistiness in this hour for the kingdom of God to come, become, to come at hand. And other times, like we step across the line and, and we actually don't, aren't doing good. We're actually doing harm. And um, I can say that this journey in this season, um, I found myself in both those places at times. And, uh, and so I want to pray over us that we fight the good fight of faith in this hour. Father, I thank you for the Northgate family and all who are watching. Uh, even this Thursday, somebody um, from Mongolia was online. So you may be online again today. My spiritual son in, in, uh, in Uganda, Peter, you may be online. I pray this over you. Um, whoever's out there watching, I just come into agreement, Father, that you would loose the zeal of God over this hour, over your purposes, into our hearts, that we would not be wimpy, we would not shrink back, that we would stand up and bring the reality of the king and his dominion in this hour with courage and not breaking the rules. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, I decided to do a little research. What is this fight, the good fight of faith? And I start with 1 Timothy 6.12, because Paul is talking to his spiritual son, Timothy. And this is what he says. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called, that you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So there is this determination to grab a hold of that confession that we made about Jesus being king in our lives. And we hold on to an eternal perspective, and we fight from that place. I, as I was just researching, I ended up in 2 Timothy 4.7, and this is a book that was written a few years, a couple years later by Paul to his spiritual son. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. 
So the Apostle Paul was right at the end where he knew Nero was going to have him executed. And he says, I've true my end, but I've fought the good fight all the way to the end. Now, I want you to recognize something about the way you were created. God created you to be a warrior. He created you to be a lover, but he also created you to be a warrior. He created you in his image. And he in the Bible is called a warrior. He's called you more than a conqueror. And I know for us guys, especially, who can get aggressive, who played football, who maybe served in the military, who hunt and fish, and we, we have that thing inside of us. But when it comes to spiritual things, we wish we could grab a gun <laughs> or grab a sword, right? Or something physical. But the Lord says our flesh is not, or our battle is not against flesh and blood. And so we have to learn how to be warriors in the things of the Spirit. Okay, I'm going to preach this message out of the next place. The next text is 1 Timothy chapter 1. If you turn your Bibles there, I'm going to speak from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, through chapter 2, the verse 4. And the Apostle Paul, again, is speaking to his son, and he's using this, this phrase over and over again, fight the good fight. And here he says, this command I entrust you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you. By them, you fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan so that they will be taught not to blaspheme. The thing that I, I want us to realize is in this shaking that we're in right now, that it is a testing of our faith. I believe that the Lord's heart and his plan is to anchor us more deeply, more zealously in the purpose of God than ever before. I believe he's bringing us to the, the church, to the place of being unshakable in the things of eternity, the things of the kingdom and the gospel. But I also want you to know where in the midst of the shanking, there are going to be people who will be shipwrecked in their faith. There may be people in, my, in our midst that are being shaken to the point where they're shipwrecked in their faith. I, I want us to recognize that in this shaking, either we are getting stronger in our faith and our convictions, or we are backing up and potentially getting weaker. Now he says he delivered them over to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. But I don't, I'm not going to jump into what that actually means. I'd encourage you to dive into that. But that's not my purpose for today. My purpose for today is, is how, what does faith look like? How do we fight the fight of faith? How do we make sure we don't get shipwrecked in this journey we're in right now? So he turns to 1 Timothy 2.1. He says, first of all, there's two priorities he mentions. First of all, everybody say, first of all. <laughs> then I urge that petitions and prayers, intercession and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may have, live peacefully and have quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. 
Well, imagine that. First priority, pray. Seems like we've been echoing that for a while. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Oh, that pray thing again. What does faith look like? The first thing it shows up is as people who are praying. People who are praying. He actually uses four words. I want to talk about them real quick. He says, petitions. That is actually praying for a specific need of someone or a specific situation. It's, 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 it's not a broad prayer, but it's a, it's a narrow, targeted prayer. Petitions. The second word there is prayers. And this is the idea of the process. It's a general word, but it's being in relationship with the Father who has thoughts about the situation. It's about hearing his heart. Prayer is dialogue. Like, what is God's heart over this particular situation that I'm burdened about? Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's the president. Maybe it's the elections. Maybe it's COVID. But what is God's heart? What Prayer means I'm like in process with him. I'm listening for his voice. So actually I'm praying from his perspective. The fir- third word is intercession. And that means I personally get dirty with it. I get low, I grind, I ground, ground, I grunt. <laughs> I, like, I, I get in this place where like I own this thing with God. I contend, I intercede, I stand in the gap, I stand in the gap. And then he says, with thanksgiving and be made for all people. What's the idea? The way I posture my heart in prayer is I I stay in this attitude of gratitude, not in fear, not in anger, but with thanksgiving. And notice it says, for all people. What does that mean? Does that mean, well, we just pray, oh God, bless all the people. Bless all the people. I'm burdened for all the people. Let all the people get saved and born again. That's That's really not what it means. What he's saying is, Everyone is qualified for your prayer. There's nobody disqualified. There's nobody on the earth that you come into that hasn't been made in the image of God. There's nobody that, that you would see as an enemy or there's nobody that has hurt you. There's nobody that's not qualified for this prayer. And this is an important, important part of what's going on is that he's really trying to help us not, get, not fall in the trap of demonizing people or situations where we don't think we can enter into the heart of God over that person or that situation. We don't categorize people. We're to pray for all people, even those in authority. You mean like President Donald Trump? Yep. You mean like Joe Biden? Yep. You mean like Kamala Harris? Uh-huh. You mean like the former mayor in Anchorage? Um, Berkowitz? Ethan is the name. Yes. All people are targets for intercession. And of course, all of us have different targets. But the point is, we get shipwrecked. We have temptation to get shipwrecked when we don't have his heart for all people. He doesn't want us to partner in this culture of hate. This is a culture that is beginning to be so polarized and there's so much hate and so much labeling and and we, we can get shipwrecked in this journey if we enter into that. 
He does not want us to partner with the accuser. He does not want us to partner with pointing the finger. I want to look at James 3, because he warns us about our tongues in James 3. And this is really critical for for us to get in this hour, because our tongues were created to bring life. And yet Proverbs says they can also bring death. Look at James 3, verse 6. And the tongue is a fire... The very world of iniquity, the tongue is set among our members, is that which defiles the entire body. It's powerful for harm. It goes on to say there, and sets on fire the course of our life, and is set on fire by hell. Now here's the deal. Our tongues can be captured by the evil one, in a sense, when we partner with the wrong spirit. And this is critical for us to guard our hearts in this manner. Look at uh, verse 9 and 10 of chapter 3 of James. With it, our tongues, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of men. From the same mouth came both blessing and cursing. May it never be. This is why he says, choose to be thankful. So, Lord, in this day, I am thankful for President Donald Trump. I am thankful for Joe Biden. I am thankful for Kamala Harris. And I pray your, your intention, your blessing, your, your coming upon them with revelation of your will in this hour. That's what it means. It's like we don't demonize one or the other. And we choose to give thanks for people, even if they've hurt us or they've opposed us. Or, or they are still hurting us. We, we choose to intercede with this attitude, Lord, you care about them. You died on the cross for them. You paid for their sins, Lord. I thank you for them and I pray for them. This is how we stay in the, in the fight of faith without falling into the trap of breaking the rules. Uh, two years ago, I went to Rwanda. Actually, it's coming on close to three years to Rwanda with Peter Newberger and a couple others from our church and we went to minister uh, to the church from Rwanda. And when you get over there, you immediately are confronted with the genocide. There's places where there's memorials and a museum we went to. And in 1994, there was a genocide. It was a culture that was created of hate. And what happened in 100 days, 800 people were executed. And it was horrible because these people were neighbors. They were friends. They went to school together. They shopped together, two tribes. This isn't like um, when we think of tribe, we use the term tribe, we think of like third world where there's out in the boondocks. No, these were civilized people like us with clothes on, with, like we wear, going to libraries, going to school, um, in jobs, in, with technical jobs. And, and the culture of hate entered that country. And this is important because it may be an extreme example, but I think we need to be aware of what is happening, this culture of hate that's happening in America, where the enemy wants to take it. What happened there is actually external voices, not inside the nation of Rwanda, external voices infected the culture with hate towards one another. External voices turned the Hutus against the Tutsis. And the Hutus began killing Tutsis. They were friends. They ate dinner together. 
And because of the enemy's tactics and because of external voices from other countries, the Hutus and Tutsi, or the Hutus exterminated, killed, murdered with, with machetes and knives and guns. 800,000 Hutus or uh, Tutsis in 100 days. Uh, as I was over there, I came across a story, a gruesome story, really, um, but a story of redemption. Um, because um, there was one Hutu family who decided their home would be a, a refuge for Tutsis. They weren't taken in by the lies and, and the fear-mongering and the hate. And, and they chose their house to be a, a house of refuge who, for Tutsis who were running and uh, they end up hiding six women in this bathroom. And they put over a, a false wall somehow so the door was hidden. And, uh, and those six women had stayed in there for 10 days and they couldn't speak. They couldn't make a sound. They would be given food when everything was safe, but they had to stay in that little bathroom and, and they could not speak for fear of being found out. One of them tells the story of her being in that bathroom and, and she was a Christian and she was interceding for what was going on in the streets and her family. She'd been um, segregated from her family and so she didn't know what had happened to her husband. And the second day into that time of intercession, the Holy Spirit showed her and told her that her husband had been killed by the way of machetes, cut apart. And she knew it was from the Lord. It turned out later to be true. She knew it was from the Lord, and she became she started getting angry and bitter, and she was filled with this desire to, to, to get vengeance upon the Hutu people. Even though the Hutu family was keeping her refuge, she had this thing come inside of her, this anger, this hate came inside of her for what they had done to her husband and many, many others. And as she was in that bathroom, she realized all of a sudden she was no longer able to pray. She wasn't able to connect with the Lord. The presence of the Lord who had covered her lifted. And she realized from the Lord, heart and words, you must forgive. You can't stay in this place of vengeance and anger and expect my peace to guard your heart. And so she bowed her heart, and she said, Lord, I forgive the Hutu people. Lord, I ask forgiveness. Heal this land, God. And she stepped back in that place of intercession for the healing of, her hand, of the land. And the point is, we can't carry anger and hate against others or vengeance and expect to be the healing balm and, and fight the good fight of faith. Matthew 5, 43 and 45 says this, You have heard it said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Mario Morella is somebody that I've been leaning into, and he's got some opinions about what's going on. But his main opinion is God is awakening his people with his fiery love for his eternal purposes. He says this, God has awakened his people to first love, a fiery love for Jesus, and we are going to find out our faith is worth dying for. So I want to share some personal challenges and wa uh, that I've walked through and uh, just be real, real and transparent with you. 
we are living in the day where our culture has created something called the cancel culture, which means that if you don't speak what the narrative of popular culture is, you're shamed. You're, you are accused of certain things like being a bigot or, or being a hater um, or many other, other things, a racist. And, and this is an hour where it's really hard to rise up and speak the truth because prayer is one thing, but there's another thing the church has to do to fight the good fight of faith, and that is speak the truth in love. And our tendency right now is, how do I do that? How do I speak the truth of love without being labeled and discounted as a, as a racist or a hater or a bigot? We're in an hour um, of such polarization and to say that you're pro-life for others means you're anti-women's rights. To say that you believe for God's plan to be a husband and wife and that's the best plan for marriage means that you hate gays and homosexuals according to the other narrative. To say you believe that your gender is revealed at birth and is God's plan for your life means you're labeled a bigot and a transphobian. I think that's the word. To say you're concerned about the agenda and the goals or the movement of Black Life Matters, not the phrase Black Life Matters, but the agenda and the goals of Black Life Matters, then they say about us that we have not hurt with the black people who have suffered so much, that we don't care, that we're not willing to listen to be able to recreate a healthy uh, uh, culture without racism. And so we're labeled as racists. To say that Jesus is only way to the Father is to say that many people are lost and are going to hell, which means we're exclusivists and intolerant of other faiths. To say we are against more lockdowns means to many that we don't care about other people. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who spoke up during the Holocaust, he made this statement. He says this, to not speak is to speak. And so we have this test of faith, like how do we speak out in this hour? How do we have something to say? Or do we shrink back? And do we become silent? I don't believe we can afford to fight the fight of faith by being passive and only praying. And I don't mean prayer is passive because I, I get fiery when I pray. But I think we have to speak up. I think we have to speak up in love. I have three filters that I've been filtering things through. And, and just to be transparent, I've been on Facebook because I know the narrative of, of mainline media is one thing and there's a whole other side to the story. And so I've tried to bring to light the other side of the stories at times and, and I've messed up at times and how it came across. And so there's three filters that I encourage you when you speak, you take your thoughts through these filters. The first one is measure your temperature. Are you angry? And probably shouldn't say anything. Do, or have you come to the place where even though you're convicted, you're walking in peace and you're emotionally in a good place with Jesus, and you love the people you're speaking to. Which takes me to the second one. What's your tone? 
when you, when you say it, is there sarcasm involved? Or is there truly a brokenness, a broken heart for those who may have a different opinion? Do you truly able to speak it with grace? The temperature, what's my heart say? The tone, how am I saying it? And third, is it honestly true? Am I confident it is true? And this is something that often isn't easy to find. In fact, we have to do more research often than we have time for to find out what the truth is about things because there's narratives out there and the deceiver is very deceiving. I ran across a book um, this recently I would love to recommend. It's by Erwin W. Lutzer. I think I have a picture of it. It says, we will not be silenced. And I just want to read a portion here from this book. Just, just a portion. Is there something we can do in this hour besides pray? What does God want me to do? How am I to live, to act? How am I to speak out, treat my neighbor? What should be the priorities in this hour? What should I be saying to my children, to my colleagues, to my friends, to my enemies? In a time of unprecedented polarization and crisis, how does the Lord want me to behave? On the one hand, although I live with a sense of divine urgency, I am also at peace because I know Jesus is king, working out his plan in the midst of the chaotic and rebellious world. On the other hand, I know I have a part to play. And my part to play is to pray and to speak truth and the gospel into the things that are at hand. There's so much more here. Because this is not about one man, talking about the present, it's about one nation conceived in liberty. It's about millions of Americans mocked and forgotten and demanding accountability. It's about millions of Americans not yet born who deserve to know liberty and justice for all. Yet even if our neighbors do not join the battle, if deceit is to carry the day, then we will go down being quiet and not proclaiming the truth, and the good news. So this is a season where we're tempted just to be quiet. But the Lord is not asking his church to be quiet. He's asking us to pray. And look at what verses 2 through 4 says. Pray for kings and those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Notice that the Apostle Paul says, where's the first place to point your prayers? To the kings and the people in authority. Why is that? Because they have the most influence to determine the conditions of our livelihood. You remember in Paul's day, it was Nero who eventually would be the one who had Paul executed. But he also saying, pray for proconsul Galileo. Pray for the governors like Pilate. Pray for the kings like Herod. Because they have the most influence in determining what kind of conditions are on the earth or in our nation. Paul was not afraid to declare the gospel of Christ. Because he wished, he, his heart was that all men would be saved. In our current hour, this is something that we have to carry. Is that all men are targets for the grace of God, and he wants all men to be saved. 
I want you to realize this is not a prayer so that we have peaceful and tranquil lives that we can just live our good life. That's not the target. And if that's the goal, then I think our motives are more about us than the gospel. And this is really important in this hour that, that our hearts get recentered on we're on the earth to display and tell the good news of Jesus Christ. He answers the why we have peace. Why have peace? Why have tranquility? So all people are saved. It's the Apostle Paul's opinion that the good news of Jesus is more easily spread when the culture is in a place of peace and people are able to live their lives in a healthy way and not in a, in a, um, a chaotic way. Our eternal purposes must outweigh our temporary comforts. Now, I want to be transparent again here for just a minute. Under President Trump's administration, religious liberties were protected, and actually there was headway made because one of the things that he believes is that religious liberties are important for America to survive. But he did not just fight for religious liberties in America. He went after the persecution of all faiths all over the planet. He was an ambassador for people of faith who were being persecuted in Nigeria and many other nations. The administrations, and I'm including the Bush administration, the administrations before President Trump allowed religious liberties to begin to be ta taken away, especially Christian liberties. Now we're in this hour where we're contending, and I'm contending, one of the reasons I'm contending that President Trump remains our president is for that very reason. It's the Apostle Paul said that we have a nation that religious liberties are protected. If, if Joe Biden is elected president, then we will be praying for him with the same zeal and the same heart, and Kamala Harris will be praying for her. But I can tell you already from things they've said, religious liberty is, is not one of their main goals to protect. And so that makes us, as people of faith, potentially risking our opportunities to live for God. But we don't allow that to happen in our hearts. We will be steadfast in fighting the good fight of faith no matter which administration comes into office. And we will pray for them, and we won't quit speaking the truth. We will speak the truth in love. This is an hour where, again, I want to say, our faith is being tested. We can be shamed into being quiet and not have a message and not have influence. Or we can gauge our hearts and speak truth in love and invite God to speak truth, the gospel of and I hear my mic just went out. And so let me pray over you. And I'm going to pray a scripture prayer. Acts chapter 4. Because the disciples, early disciples faced the kind of things that some of the things I've been talking about potentially. Definitely Rwanda, other places around the world. Maybe it's coming our way. I don't know. But I want us to be prepared. I don't want us to be shipwrecked no matter what comes. Acts 4, 29, 31. Listen to their prayer. Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then after they prayed, the place where they met was shaking and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Say filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> filled with the Holy Spirit. And spoke the word of God boldly. So Lord, I pray for every follower of Christ that's out here. We're not taking sides politically. That's not our job. We pray. We pray for whoever is in authority. We pray for your grace and wisdom upon them. Loose faith to believe that our prayers make a difference over everybody that's watching. Loose the gift of faith, the gift of intercession over the church right now in this hour. We need to pray like never before. Urgency of the Lord say, pray, people, pray. I also loose love, not fear. Love casts out fear. We don't pray from fear. We pray from confidence in God and his love for us. And then thirdly, boldness to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him. And if you're here and you're watching and you don't know Jesus, even now you can call Jesus Christ, call out to him and say, save my heart, save my soul. I need you to pay the price for my sins. I know you already died for me. I trust you. I've placed my heart in your hands. I will follow you all the days of my life because you died on the cross for me. I just loose the gift of faith to believe Jesus right now. In his precious name. Amen. Amen. I trust that you guys have an awesome Thanksgiving. And, uh, and just stay in this attitude of gratitude. Pray for people who God puts your heart on with a heart of Thanksgiving. And bless your families. And uh, bless your week. We love you. Amen. See you later.